Welcome to The Wisdom Show, a gathering place for the world's leading experts in the fields of human potential, spirituality, personal development, health, relationships, and more. Join us as we evolve together to the highest expression of our lives. And now, your host, Gene Swan. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Get ready to take your health to the next level with the rock star of the superfoods and longevity world, David Wolf. As many of you know, David is one of the world's top authorities on natural health, nutrition, herbalism, chocolate, organic superfoods. He's been an advocate of raw foods and natural health for 22 years. He's a best-selling author and a coach to Hollywood celebrities and business people. And he's here today to share his incredible knowledge and longevity secrets with us. And David, I've been such a fan of yours for so many years. We're really excited to have you with us. So, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on the show. David, you're known for bringing to the world some of the most cutting-edge information about health. So right now, what would you say are some of the biggest recent breakthroughs or discoveries in health and nutrition that you feel everyone needs to know about? I really am big on the medicinal mushrooms. I think they're great entry-level super herbs, and they're immunological. So they're good for people who've never even heard of herbs, never went to a health food store, don't have any idea what any of this stuff is. It's a great place to start. Um, the, pr- the premier um, mushroom in that group is reishi mushroom. And reishi mushroom is actually the most well-studied herb in the history of the world. And it's, there's been studies on this herb. Like, for example, let's say you're 90 years old. You've never taken an herb ever. You've been on steak and potatoes. You're dying. <laughs> Can reishi help you? Wow. They, they have actually done studies, like nine-week studies for people in that situation and found out that reishi mushroom can help those people. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty incredible. So what is it about the reishi, the reishi mushroom that, that does that? It's the polysaccharides. It's, it's their primary constituents are polysaccharides, which are they're kind of like gel compounds, the same kind of thing you'd find in aloe vera, for example, and they're indirectly immunological. So when we think about herbs, we think about you know, when you bite at a dandelion or something, there's that white sap that comes out and it's kind of bitter, and you think, oh, you know, I'm not going to take herbs. They're, they don't taste good. Well, there's a whole different class of herbs that we call super herbs that work indirectly. And in the case of reishi, they work through polysaccharides, which are basically semi-bitter kind of compounds. You can't really taste them very much, but they're um, immunological food. They actually feed your white blood cells and feed your stem cells in your, from your bone marrow. And this has all been worked out. The exact mechanisms of this has been worked out over the last five years um, in scientific circles. And now we know how to feed our immune system. It turns out that the ancient wisdom is correct. Medicinal mushrooms are the best way. And um, reishi mushroom is, is premier in that group. So how would people use them? Where would they find them? What would they prepare them in? Well, it, this is what happened to me. I was cornered in a health food store about 10 years ago by a guy named Truth Calkins, who's a very famous herbalist in Los Angeles. And he, he just would not let me go. He just kept on me about reishi mushroom. And I finally was like, okay, I'll get some, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I got two bottles of capsules, and it was just encapsulated powder. And um, that, so I took those, and then step by step by step, I became a wild reishi mushroom hunter. In fact, you know, I'm one of the more um, pronounced reishi mushroom hunters in in the northern in, in North America for sure, and uh, and it started out in a health food store because you know I got some capsulated products. So you start with the capsules, 
Then you might want to go to tinctures. Those are also interesting, which are the alcohol tinctures. You might want to do um, some of the mycelium, which is just like bulk powder. So you just throw it into a smoothie. Super easy to do. Tastes good. Kids can take it. Um, and then you might even go to the wild stuff. If you, you know, if you get that sophisticated, you might figure out, oh, okay, this is a reishi mushroom and I can make a tea out of it. You know, that comes later. So how much would you take and uh, are there differences in quality of where you buy it and, and uh, you know, are there issues around that? Yeah, well, like anything, you always want to search for quality and there are quite drastic um, qualitative differences in reishi mushroom. But basically what you want to do is you want to find, um, like, you know, a good product that's an encapsulated form, probably to start with, and then you think, okay, you take two and call, you know, take two and call me in the morning. Remember that? <laughs> right. This is more like take two thousand and email me next month. <laughs> it's, it's like you got to take it. You got to take it. You got to take like five a day or ten a day. Like really take it and feel what it does, and then you'll kind of know from there. And again, it's entry level. If you've never taken an herb before, this is the this is the place to start. So, what can people expect, and what did you experience that made you obviously such an advocate of this? Well, like most people, I didn't take enough initially. I, I took like two, you know, one or two. I didn't feel anything. So, you know, that went on for a while. And then somebody gave me a hot tip. They're like, no, you t- need to take like nine or 15. And I was like, what? I mean, I never heard of this. What do you mean nine or 15? So I took 10 or something like that at that point. And, and I felt it. I was like, whoa. And it's, it's in um, Taoism and in Chinese medicine, they call Rishi a Shen stabilizer. What that means, it just kind of centers you in your heart. So you don't feel all over the place. It kind of focuses your energy. It creates a feeling of well-being, and it's very immunological. I mean, it's part of my overall immune system strategy at this point in my life, absolutely. And it's a critical piece of the future because in the future, we don't want to have to take herbs when we're sick. It's too late. You want to take herbs when you're well, so you never get sick. So taking the reishi mushroom, you wouldn't necessarily feel a burst of energy. It would be more of a calming and a centering. It, it, it would be a calming energy. It would be a calm energy. So you don't feel it's not a stimulant. It's actually an anti-stimulant. So, for example, if you take coffee, really good thing to do is take reishi with your coffee. Now, that's actually been shown in clinical studies to reduce the um, caffeine hit on the body um, from the coffee. When you take it with reishi because it's an anti-stimulant. That's just basic herbalism. If you take a stimulant, you need to take an anti-stimulant so it comes into your body like a like a being hit by a pillow instead of being hit by a baseball bat or something. So what are some of the other medicinal mushrooms that we might want to look for beyond the reishi mushroom, and what makes them medicinal as opposed to other mushrooms? Okay, great. Well, that's such a great question. I just wrote a book on the king of the medicinal mushrooms. Now, reishi is the queen, but the king of the medicinal mushrooms is actually chaga mushroom, which is a uh, uh, it's a mushroom that typically grows on birch in the northern circumpolar temperate regions of the world. So it, it, it grows across a vast area of the world. And it's a black, kind of almost like a canker growing out of the tree. And it's been highly regarded in many different medicinal systems, including um, ancient European systems, ancient Chinese systems, Korean, Russian, um, and to some degree also Native American. So this particular mushroom is probably even more powerful than reishi, um, but it's just it's a little bit difficult, more difficult to kind of like um, get people going on it because there's not as much research on chaga as reishi. I mean, reishi's you know there's a million studies on reishi. There's you know probably you know 500 on chaga. 
So is that the first thing, if people wanted to really improve their health this year, would you say start with the reishi mushroom, and then what else would you advise people to do? Oh, well, I'd recommend getting into those two. And then, by the way, the distinction that makes a mushroom medicinal is almost all medicinal mushrooms are mushrooms that grow on trees. There's a few exceptions, but, but you know, 99% are mushrooms that grow on trees. So that would be a really strong recommendation. Now, another recommendation is this whole thing about just live food and juices and blending food and liquefying your food and getting more on smoothies and getting away from you know, whatever the, you know, the normal fare is, which is like, you know, coffee and, and, you know, maybe bread or something in the morning, coffee and toast or whatever, just trying to get more on a liquid diet. That's not as stimulating. It's a little bit easier on digestion and, and re reinvigorates you. Vegetable juice is really amazing. That's a really good place to start too. Fresh vegetable juice. So would you recommend predominantly a liquid diet? In the long run? Yes, for sure. I mean, that's just what happens naturally. If you, if you've been playing around with raw foods and you've been in this health field for a long period of time and you're into fitness, eventually you kind of arrive at this idea that the human is best and happiest on basically a liquidarian diet. So can you give us some suggestions for smoothies in the morning for people wanting to start incorporating them for breakfast? What would be an idea for that? Okay, let's say you're coming off coffee. You're trying to think, okay, I need to get stimulated by something. I need something to get me going, but I don't want to do coffee. Well, you might want to use a different type of stimulant, which would be cacao or chocolate in the morning, um, raw cacao. So that could be an ingredient that you add in. There's raw cacao powder, raw cacao nibs, raw cacao paste, you know, all kinds of chunks. It's just something you just throw into that blender. Another thing is you've got to figure out what the base is going to be. What's going to be the liquid base? Now, if I'm up in Canada in the winter, that liquid base is going to be actually a hot tea. It's going to be a shaga and reishi tea. You could do a green tea or a black tea, or it could be some kind of a hot tea like that, and then you can blend into it um, some chocolate. You could blend into it a few superfoods. I really like maca, M-A-C-A. Maca is great for winter, very warming. It's like the Peruvian ginseng. It's It's incredibly important adaptogen for the future. And then you might want to throw in there, let's see, I would throw in there a few um, almonds to kind of thicken it up a little bit, give it a little body. And then as a sweetener, I'm a, I'm a beekeeper, so I use honey. Um, but other people might go, I don't want a sweetener. Some people might go, I'll use stevia. Or, you know, you could just pick whatever one you want. Or some people like it bitter. I like it bitter, too. So sometimes I'll do my chocolate in a, in a hot tea like that, and I'll do it bitter. Let's say you're in Los Angeles. It's summertime. You wouldn't do that kind of a drink. You'd do coconut water as a base. You'd throw some fruits in there. Let's say you had some... Um, like while I'm in Hawaii right now, we've got Lilikoi here, you know, the passion fruit. Um, so I've been throwing that in there. I've been throwing citrus fruit in there. I've been throwing bananas in there, and blending that up with your favorite. Let's say it's let's say it's your favorite superfood, chocolate, cacao, or it could be your favorite herbs, um, reishi or shaga. Boom, blend that up. I had a huge amount of. I had coconut water this morning, blended with a huge amount of medicinal mushrooms, fruit and honey. That's pretty much it this morning, and a little bit of coconut meat. So then let's say someone starts with the smoothie in the morning. Can you take us through the rest of the day, what they might incorporate? Yeah, so you try to, well, first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning, even before anything, you should try to drink a liter of water. 
a liter of pure water first thing in the morning before anything. That's just good hydration. It's a good habit to be in, a wonderful habit to be in. Then you can have your smoothie after that, maybe an hour later. Then you might want to start thinking about, okay, let's see if I can skate all the way into lunch and see if you can get a big chunk of your work done in the morning. And that's actually how most Americans work is everything gets done in the morning between like 8 in the morning and noon. And then after that, you know, it's people kind of lose the focus. But that's a really good time to, like, get away from foods, focus down. And then when you get to lunch, you have a salad. And try to just go light on the salad. Instead of having salad and bread or salad and potato, have salad and avocado. Use avocado as your, as your meat and cheese and just kind of thin it out, go lighter. And then in the afternoon, your snacks are um, could be fruits, it could be nuts and seeds, it could be these raw bars that are out there, these raw protein bars, chia bars chia crackers, things like that, really like cool health food stuff like that, and then and juices and fresh juices, especially fresh vegetable juice, I'm a big fan of that, and then you get into the evening and then you have your, your salad and then whatever your meal is going to be, and that's, that's, that's a really way, that's an amazing way to get into a really healthy lifestyle from a nutrition perspective. So do you advocate raw foods and vegetarianism or veganism or... Um... What what would you recommend most? Um, I I mean, I, I don't really like those kind of labels because there's so much judgment about those kind of labels. Right. I, you know, I'm a vegetarian myself. Um, but I, I, I think what we need to do as a population is eat way more plants and way less meat and dairy. Um, but I'm not into absolutes because absolutes don't work. You need to be – you need to be – you know, managing your choices with a plant-based diet. And, you know, if you have, you know, cheese here or there or, or meat here or there, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's like you need, you need to manage. You need to learn how to balance your blood sugar without having meat three times a day. That's for sure. Right. So let's talk about the superfoods like um, goji berries and hemp seed. And those would give people protein if they're not going to use a meat source. Right, exactly. There are there are tremendous amounts of protein in superfoods. Spirulina is a superfood. It's the highest protein content food in the world. Hemp seeds, very high in protein. Um, Blue-green algae, super high in protein. Marine phytoplankton, same thing. Chlorella is one of the highest protein content foods in the world. Goji berry is a complete protein. Uh, the Incan berry or Peruvian gooseberry or golden berry is a complete protein source. Um, these are things, you know, that are more popular in health food stores. Maca has 17 of 18 amino acids. Um, really, it's an, it, that's an amazing super root that I've mentioned already. Um, what else? Bee pollen, that's a complete protein. Yeah, rice protein is also another way to go. And so you can manage your blood sugar more with that kind of protein rather than the animal protein because, again, this, this, the, the, if we go up the chain of being – there's more toxicity that accumulates up the chain. Like, you know, a fresh growing young grass, blade of grass, is not nearly as toxic as, you know, somebody who was raised next to Chernobyl, right? The, the toxicity goes up the food chain. And so the lower we can eat on the food chain, the better off we are. And so these superfoods, they have not only protein, but amino acids, essential fatty acids, vitamins. So all of these that you just mentioned would give people a majority of, of their nutrients, right? Right, exactly. So what ends up happening is is that as you get deeper and deeper into superfoods, you get less and less on food. You don't really need that much food anymore. 
And that's really a wonderful thing, just to be relieved of having to eat big meals and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, people come over to my house, and it's like three days into it, they're like, okay, are we going to actually eat anything? And I'm like, we talk, we've been eating nonstop. What are you talking about? Because we're so, like, we're so conditioned for a meal that, you know, if you just do a superfood smoothie in the morning, you really actually get most of the nutrients you need right there. You know what I mean? It's like right, at that I- point... I've seen you. So you don't need that much else. I've seen you speak, and I've heard you say uh, the the things that you do consume during the day, and you don't really sit down and eat fish and vegetables on a plate. You're you're generally doing these smoothies and juices and everything all day, right? Yeah, and then like I'll be outside. I try to get a couple hours outside with my trees and in my garden, and you know I'll eat parsley, for example, out of the garden. So, yeah. You know, that's, that, that's kind of how I do it, but it's just, it's, I didn't start that way. It's just kind of what, what's happened, um, over, over time as, as, you know, I've gotten more nourished. Right. And so you have a less need for consuming the, the solid foods and you're getting all your nutrients really compact in these uh, ingredients that you're using. It's more compact than sitting down and eating a, a physical meal, Right. Right. And again, there's vastly less exposure to toxicity in the food chain when you're just eating like a small amount of plants versus a large amount of animal products and a large amount of meat and dairy. Um, So there's a lot less exposure. And you're you're just you're also just you're lighter, you're happier. I I mean, it's wow. I mean, everyone's trying to lose weight. It's like, here's a great solution. Eat raw foods and superfoods, do yoga and exercise. You're good because you basically have almost negative calories when you're dealing with these kinds of foods. Right. What about some of the super herbs that you use and the Chinese tonic herbs? Okay, so that's when we get back to, you know, our immunological strategy. So let's just talk, let's just break this down. There's your diet, and that's like stuff you're eating, and that's, that's kind of like, you know, what you just eat for calories. Then there's your, your insurance policy. I mean, this is a way to strategize your lifestyle. Then there's your insurance policy. So you have things in your diet. Like, for example, I travel all over the world. I'm going to Japan this year. You know, I, I take iodine because, you know, there's a lot of um, fallout, radioactive fallout that's come across the, you know, the oceans from Fukushima. And radioactive iodine is present in our environment. It's present in the atmosphere. All our nuclear power plants are leaking, you know, regardless of what they say. And you can prove that yourself by looking up all the municipal water supplies are all contaminated with radioactive tritium. You know, so they're all leaking. So I take iodine. Um, as part of my insurance policy, superfoods are part of my insurance policy. So, you know, if I was going to take a vitamin pill, okay, it's only got vitamin B3, B6, and B9 in it. I, that's all you're getting. But there's all kinds of cofactors to those things that come with the whole superfood, you know, that might have B3, B6, and B9 in it, and all the things that are unnamed that are cofactors that go along with it. So that's part of my, my insurance policy. Then there's the third category, which is your immunological strategy. More and more research is indicating that the future of cancer research and the future of cancer in general and also, interestingly, arthritis, heart disease, and other calcification conditions is related to the the level of our immune system of what's happening with our immune system. So more and more I'd recommend having an immunological strategy. As part of that strategy, that's where the herbs come in. That's where the Chinese herbs come in. That's where the reishi mushroom comes in. That's where the shaga mushroom comes in. There has to be some understanding that you don't take herbs when you're sick. You take herbs when you're well so you don't get sick. So what are some we should be taking on a daily basis that, that people might start with? Okay, well, reishi and shaga are definitely on the list They're because they're so high in, in regard and they're 
There's about 40,000 herbs in the world that are named in herbal systems. Only about 50 of them are what we call super herbs or tonic herbs. Rishi and Chaga are in that class. Um, I like Shazandra berry, which is one of the great Taoist berries in the world. Shazandra, I mean, the name sounds great, you know, like Shazam, Shazandra, (laughs) boom. (laughs) Um, I like horsetail and nettle tea for bone density and immunological health. Horsetail and nettle. Horsetail is very powerful antifungal. It's very good for bones, and nettle is also very powerful antifungal and extraordinarily rich in protein and minerals. So I like horsetail and nettle tea, and I like nettle juice. If you've got wild nettles around your house, no one is going to complain about you picking those and throwing those in a juicer. I can, I can definitely assure you of that because they've got stingers on them. Um, I like some of the Amazonian herbs. I like um, Pau Diarco and Cat's Claw, Uña de Gato. Some people from South America will recognize those. Lapacho, sometimes the name of Paudiarco. And these are very powerful antiviral, antifungal herbs, and they make delicious teas. They're very potent as supplements, and they're just good at, a good part of, a, of an immunological strategy. I like rhodiola. I like rhodiola a lot for fitness. I like rhodiola a lot for immunity. Um, I think rhodiola is amazing. Astragalus, there's another huge one. Right. Uh, astragalus is as big as reishi mushroom. I mean, that's a, one of the that's in the top three herbs in the whole world. Now, you mentioned calcification being an issue, um, and I know that you do not recommend taking calcium. This is probably one of the biggest myths that people have um, that that you probably dispel because most people are taught, you know, you have to get your calcium. So what are your thoughts on that? Definitely don't take calcium supplements. Calcium supplements cause calcification. They increase increase the burden on your body to deal with calcium. calcium with the wrong charge, like a positively charged calcium, calcium that's deficient in electrons. It's, it's just basically, and they don't work. They don't increase bone density. Um, just, just progesterone cream alone for women is vastly, dramatically more powerful at increasing bone density without changing your, your, your vitamins or minerals at all, just taking, getting the right hormones going. Um, weight-bearing exercise is so important, but I'm a big believer from the mineral perspective in silica, magnesium, phosphorus, boron, strontium, um, those kinds of, and and hydrogen in order to increase um, bone density. That's what works, not calcium. Now, people go, what are you talking about? Our bones are made out of calcium. You have to eat calcium. You get calcium in your bones. And that is the very, that thinking is the very crux of our problem and the way we've been miseducated. First of all, that belief has never been a belief in herbal systems anywhere in the world, that you need to eat calcium to improve bone density. Um, it's only a new thing. It's created by our current um, kind of almost superficial ideas. Silica and magnesium, I'm going to make a major scientific faux pas here, but it is actually the truth. Silica and magnesium are transmutated into calcium and formed into bone when when they get to the the osteoblast or the spot where the actual mineralization is occurring. And it's an enzymatic transmutation of an element, which is an alchemical transmutation. And as much as people want to argue with that, that is a fact of science. And it's been proven over and over again. And it's just one of those things that we are on the wrong scientific strategy. That's why we have an epidemic of osteoporosis, because we don't know what to do and what we're being told doesn't work. Well, in the United States, I know that we have higher osteoporosis here than anywhere, and we have the country that consumes the most calcium. 
That's it, actually you'll, that's the that's the correlation. The more calcium that's consumed, the more osteoporosis. Yes. Yeah, so and, and the least, by the way, the least calcium consumed, the, the strongest bone density. And I believe that the least calcium consumed by any country in the world is Senegal, which has one of the lowest um, osteoporosis rates of any country in the world and has some of the best bone density of any um, country in the world, including the best teeth. Wow. So that will give people a lot to think about, because I know that is something that people don't really um, want to let go of because it's so ingrained in them to take calcium. As far as other supplements, what about vitamin D? Which vitamin D? What are some of the general ones that you recommend? I like vitamin D3 for a number of reasons. Um, I don't think we get enough sunlight. Vitamin D3 can be washed off of our skin if we use abrasive soaps, even if we do get enough sunlight. Um, I, I put vitamin D3 very high on the list if you live above the 40th parallel. You know, if you live up there and you're, you're basically, let's say you're in Buffalo, New York, you got to be on vitamin D3 because it's just hard to get enough sunlight up there and, and then actually absorb it in. And vitamin D3 turns on more healing genes than any single substance we know of, literally thousands. I think it's 3,500 healing genes are turned on by vitamin D3. That's the most of any single substance there is. I like iodine for a current situation that we're in because it's protective. Um, we, I don't think we get enough iodine, anybody. I think that's a major, major problem with our whole civilization is that we don't get enough iodine. And if, if that goes on for generations, then we can end up with a generation that's very, very susceptible to Graves' disease and other thy- autoimmune thyroid diseases because it's a generation, it's generations of low iodine. Um, I like B vitamins a lot. I think vitamin B3, B6, B9, B12, those are super important and super powerful. Now, you can get those from superfoods, but let's say somebody's a schizophrenic or they, you know, they've got a son or, or daughter who's schizophrenic. That, that person needs to be on a high dose of vitamin B3, very specifically vitamin B3, and dosages can range. You don't start here, obviously, because vitamin B3 can flush you. It can cause you to have a very strong niacin reaction. Um, but you, you start at like a 200 milligrams, but you can work your way up to 2,000 milligrams or 5,000 milligrams, which can in many cases alleviate schizophrenic symptoms, just that only. Right. And, and B vitamins are so important for brain health and focusing and depression. Uh, yeah, and liver, liver too. Very important for liver health. For iodine, do you recommend eating a lot of seaweed? Could we eat enough seaweed to give us the amount of iodine we need? Great question, and the answer is I wouldn't recommend eating a whole lot of seaweed in the current situation that we're in right now. I think seaweed's a great, super amazing food, but it's of dubious quality. Um, I had a friend of mine on the Big Island of Hawaii. Um, he just got a Geiger counter, and he went and tested every seaweed product on the shelf. It, and these are seaweed products coming from the Atlantic, coming from the Pacific, coming from the South Pacific. And he said they were off the charts in radiation off the charts now that was just a couple days ago so i'm so he told me what geiger counter to get i'm going to get i'm going to go do that research myself and film it we're going to see exactly what's going on with seaweed um his belief basically what happened with him is he started losing his hair and he was on a seaweed diet Hmm. and he couldn't figure it out he thought it was maybe the raw food he got off the raw food that didn't work he got back on the raw food he tried to just move stuff around as soon as he got off the seaweed everything went back to normal so he suspected it was radiation, so he got a Geiger counter. He started testing every product around, and that, that's, that's what he told me. He took me aside. He's like, look, i got to tell you something. And he, he's, a, he's like an old student of mine, amazing guy, and um, 
he kind of filled me on the detail, so I'm just going to replicate his research and put it out there to the public if, in fact, I find it's a health hazard. Wow. I love seaweed. So even buying the dried seaweed or any form of it that we're buying, um, wow, that's really... That's what he said. I, I'm going to replicate that research, but that's what he told me. And and I was pretty shocked, I have to say. And he he definitely was like, look, I'm telling you, every seaweed on the shelf in the health food store wow. was, was high in radiation. Well, we're going to be looking to you for some amazing information on that. That's what I mean. You're always on the cutting edge of what is happening in the field of health, in the field of foods and superfoods. What might be some of the other things that are coming on the horizon that you're learning about or that you'll be teaching at your conference uh, in February? I I really think that um, in terms of a supplement, just okay, we have a very specific type of toxicity that we're dealing with in the Western world currently, and it's a plastics toxicity. It's basically xenoestrogen toxicity. And there was a supplement that's been developed over the last 20 years out of broccoli. It should be made out of broccoli, which is indole-3-carbinol and DIM. And these are very popular products in in places where they are used. In, in offices, for example, my friend's office in Orange County, California, where he trains athletes and he, you know, he's a big kind of stem cell doctor down there. These products are really highly regarded because they drive out the xenoestrogens out of your body very specifically, and which are very difficult to get out. That's another thing is that, yeah, you can get the xenoestrogens out and the bad estrogens out and the age-related bad estrogens out, but it's difficult. It's one of the hardest toxins to get your, your, for your body to get out. And um, that product actually does it. It's a concentrate of broccoli, and it, it takes this principle that was discovered in cruciferous vegetables and just concentrates it down into a capsule form so that you don't have to juice four pounds of broccoli every day. Are you going to be coming out with that capsule? or um, I actually do. I, I have developed a product in that category with a doctor friend of mine in L.A., and the product is called EstroGuard. EstroGuard that they can find from you. And also we'll be letting people know about a lot of other information you're making available to us in your special offer today. And also um, you have, is it's the Longevity Warehouse, right, where you sell your individual products. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I have my, my superfoods and things on that site. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions out there about health? We mentioned about calcium, um, now possibly seaweed. What are some things that uh, people in the general population are not aware of that, that could really turn their health around? Well I, well, I think one of them is food allergies. Um, the dominant three allergies are wheat, dairy, and sugar, refined sugars, of all different, even brown sugar, right, any kind of refined sugar. And those are, those are causing a lot of aberrant behavior. It's definitely the number one trigger of juvenile delinquent behavior, according to the research, is food allergies. Um, I definitely feel like if you got off wheat, dairy, and any kind of refined sugar, including high fructose corn syrup, it would cause a radical change and improvement in your life. Radical. Just those three things right there. So that's what I recommend people start with. Wheat. Um, my friend, Dr. Davis, who wrote this book, Wheat Belly, I met with him in Calgary a few months ago, had a really incredible conversation about his research. And Basically, he's saying that the wheat today, for number one, has nothing to do with the wheat that existed 40 years ago. It's been hybridized and genetically, even genetically modified. It's um, very high in gliadins, which are opiates. 
Um, it's very high in gluten, as we know, and it's causing people to have irritations. And even people who are not aware that they're having an overt reaction to the wheat, um, they might be having um, a, like a subclinical reaction to the wheat, and that builds up over time. So, again, wheat is something we've got to really look at. Um, definitely there's an inflammatory response to these allergens as well. It's just it's irritating age-related inflammatory conditions. Um, so if we, if we were able to get off all those, we get on the juices, get on the live food, go organic so we're not getting hit by all kinds of xenoestrogens. I mean, DDT is a xenoestrogen. DDE is a xenoestrogen. I've just been writing this book on, on xenoestrogens. The list is unbelievable. All these insecticides are actually all xenoestrogens. So when people say, I don't need to you know, go organic, it's too expensive. It's like, look, I'm not saying organic food is the best thing ever, but it's way, way, way better than conventional food. And even that's, you know, even organic food is not good enough. Right. Uh, what's your opinion about the um, the ballot that was defeated in California on genetically modified foods and the idea that we can at this point, we're not going to be informed when foods are genetically modified. What are your thoughts on that? And do you believe it's going to come to a point where we are going to be able to get that legislation through? I think what's happening in our world is, you know, we're seeing a major bifurcation in people who are becoming super conscious about every action that they take and then, you know, the kind of the unconscious group. And there are huge interests, government interests, banking interests, and chemical conglomerate interests that want to keep people asleep and want to keep people in like a sheeple kind of a mode that unaware. And so they will spend huge amounts of money, millions of dollars a month, just in California, to, to quash any kind of thing that's going to actually educate anybody about anything. And, and we have to become very, very aware of that. I mean, when people, like, you know, when you think about the government, you can't trust the government. I mean, the JFK, known. It was, it was known. He was, he was killed in a conspiracy involving government officials. There were people in the government who had him taken out. That was 1963. I mean, this is 2013. This is 50 years later. You think that people aren't conspiring for their company to make more money? They aren't conspiring to, to make more money themselves? Aren't conspiring to gain more control, political or whatever? They always are. That's just human nature. So we have to become more self-responsible and not fall into this stuff. And really, it comes down to moment-to-moment-to-moment awareness. Like, okay, what's this cleaning chemical? Where did it come from? Should I trust it? No way. This has got all kinds of weird stuff. I never even heard of this. Get rid of it. We have to take more and more responsibility in that way over our own health, moment to moment, is kind of what it's coming to. Do you feel when things are labeled genetically modified that can be trusted, or how can we know uh, about genetically modified foods without it being required of the makers of the food to tell us? How can we, you know? Okay, well, according, according to the law right now, a genetically modified food cannot be labeled organic. So organic food should be free of genetically modified ingredients. That's good. That's great news. Um, another is is that soybean is almost all genetically modified today, so it's almost impossible to find non-GMO soy. Um, a lot of, like canola, canola oil, it's all genetically modified. Rapeseed oil, all genetically modified. Um, wheat, mostly genetically modified. Over 90% of the wheat is genetically modified. Corn, almost 90, more than 90% of the corn is genetically modified. So you now have to either... One, grow those foods yourself from original heirloom varieties of seed, which is a great idea, and I highly recommend everybody listening right now start a seed bank. 
start accumulating seeds. You know, like I have them in boxes and I have them in clay eggs and I've got all kinds of seeds all around me all the time just in case the seed is cut off we can't get access to it anymore. And if you think that that's not possible, go to Costa Rica and see how difficult it is to get organic seeds there. It's all GMO. All the corn is all genetically modified. You can't buy it. You go into San Jose, Costa Rica to buy normal corn seed to grow on your farm, can't find it. It's all GMO. And this is what's coming to America. It's what's coming to Canada. It's what's coming to Europe. Um, so you just have to be aware and you have to prepare yourself and you have to know that those key foods like the wheat, the corn, the soy, those are all GMO foods. They're not wor- even worth exploring. Even potato now is almost all GMO. So people really need uh, – the seed bank is a great idea. And, of course, if you can have your own garden, that's the ultimate thing to do because that's how you could really trust your foods. What do you advise people if they're able to plant a garden or maybe if they don't have a lot of space or a yard um, – what what can they plant maybe in their house? I mean, as a way of taking their health into their own hands and taking control over what they're consuming. Sprouts are great for indoor growing. If you're in the winter, you're in New York City or something, you don't have a, even a balcony. Just grow sprouts inside. You can sprout your own seeds very inexpensively. Really wonderful project. And some people have a knack for this. So there's, there's different types of gardening. One is sprouting indoors. Um, you can also sprout wheatgrass as well. Another type of gardening is sprouting and growing things in a greenhouse. That's really nice, and you can do that more in a cold-weather, temperate climate and then move stuff out of the greenhouse into the yard or just leave it in the greenhouse. Another type of farming can go to the tropics. You can be in Hawaii and grow stuff in, you know, full year-round, and that's really nice and a lot less air pollution, a lot less contaminants coming in out of the atmosphere onto your garden, so that's, that's a nice way to do it. And you just need to kind of figure out what, what you're willing to do, and maybe, you know, maybe you're not willing to do that, um, so you've got to go meet some farmers. Go to the farmer's market, stop sh- start shopping at farmer's markets, and meet the people who are producing your food and creating your food. That really is nice to have that connection to where it's all coming from. Right. You mentioned inflammation earlier. So what are some ways that people, that, of course, is a major cause of disease. So what are some ways that people can start cutting down their inflammation? You mentioned already, you know, by eliminating the wheat and some other things you've mentioned, we would cut down on inflammation. What might be some other ways? Another really big way to cut down inflammation is just to take in the right anti-inflammatory foods. Um, of the biggest one is probably turmeric. Turmeric is a very powerful anti-inflammatory. And I would be very careful about your omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. Um, so, for example, you need more omega-3, less omega-6 in order to keep the prostaglandin 2 inflammatory response from elevating on you. And so you, you would want to have like more omega-3, more saturated fat like coconut oil, things that are on the opposite ends of the chains and less omega-6. So that's kind of a, a key idea to understand. And then another really important thing is to understand that enzymes are anti-inflammatory, very powerful anti-inflammatory. So, for example, I take digestive enzymes and metabolic enzymes almost every day. Do I need them to digest my food? Not really. But if I take them, my food digests easier. I use less energy in digestion. And on the flip side, it's like I can feel the derivative anti-inflammatory benefits of that going through my whole body. And if there's one regret I have over my 20 years in this field of nutrition, it's that I haven't taken enough enzymes. I think enzymes are one of the most powerful things to be taking on a regular basis. Some of the youngest people I know who are in their 60s have been taking enzymes in high dosages for 30 years, and they look amazing. And I'm like, whoa, that's the, it works. So that, that'd be in my list as well. 
Right. And enzymes are especially important for people who are in having a lot of the live foods you're talking about, because the live foods will give us a lot of enzymes. As you said, you already have a lot from the food you're eating. But in addition, you're taking those. So it's it's crucially important for people if they're not having as much live food to take enzymes. Right. Exactly. Enzymes just help. They help everything. They, They help with the whole like all metabolic functions. So I've noticed that over the years. Actually, I broke my foot in the summer of 2011, and um, and it was interesting. I didn't go see a doctor, didn't get an x-ray, didn't do anything. I had a person who was there as a physical therapist. She set the, the bone in place, and I just left it and just put a really tight shoe around it, like a five-finger shoe, just kind of completely tighten it down. And I spent about maybe 10 days trying to figure out what to do. I did you know everything. I have all the freight foods, everything. I just, then I was in my closet, and I saw those big bottle enzymes, and I thought, you know what, that's, my instincts tell me something. So I took about five of those, then I took another five, then I took another five. So I was taking like 25 or 30 capsules a day, and w- immediately took the swelling down, immediately accelerated the healing. I mean, it healed three times faster all of a sudden. And it was so dramatic that I actually went back and I started rereading all my books on enzymes. It was unbelievable. Wow, that is pretty amazing. We don't really connect it. it. It is connected with inflammation, but I wasn't thinking of it in terms of, you know, your swelling going down. That's amazing. And, now, and speeding up healing, because that's very specific enzyme property, actually. And that is, in the literature, well-known characteristic of enzymes to speed up healing. And But it was just kind of one of those things you just kind of forget. You know, you got so many stuff going on, you, you just kind of forget those things. But right. I'm lucky I kind of stumbled back into that. Right. Now, what do you recommend as far as probiotic foods, the good bacteria that we need to replenish in the gut? I know you talk about this at your conferences. You have other speakers who talk about this. But generally, for people to start replenishing that good bacteria in the gut, what would you recommend? I'm a a big fan of having at least one live cultured food a day. That could mean a live sauerkraut or a live coconut water kefir drink. Um, some kind of a living food, meaning that like the bacteria is active in the food and it's probiotic or friendly bacteria. That way you get the live enzymes coming in, the live bacteria coming in instead of just supplements. Um, I don't, I don't, my feeling is, I mean, my experience is really that those supplements are not nearly as effective as when you take, take the supplement, open it up into coconut water, let it ferment for 24 hours, then drink the coconut water. Because then those millions of cells, those millions of bacteria, will turn into billions. And then you drink that, and you'll, you're definitely going to feel that. Wow, that's a great idea. And, and that means, by the way, if you're really on a budget, you, all you need is one bottle of, of a good probiotic, and you, that'll last you for years because that's just a starter. So let's say, for example, let's say you did with coconut water. You, you filled up a, a pitcher of coconut water. You open up eight capsules in there. You got the thing going. You put a little rag over the top so no flies could get in there. You put a rubber band over that. And you leave it sit out for 24 hours so that the cultures will ferment. You know, they'll actually eat all the sugars in the coconut water and they'll grow. Um, then you drink, let's say, seven-eighths of that. That last eighth is the starter for the next one. Hmm. And you could keep doing that indefinitely. So. These probiotic capsules that we have are actually very good starters for the most part. And you could, if you really want to get your money's worth, you could stretch those things out for years. Wow, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that because I think of creating probiotic foods as being more complicated, but that's a very simple way to do it. So yeah, that- it's super easy, super simple. 
Now, another thing that you have been in the forefront of bringing information to the world about that is really exciting is grounding. And I know you talk about that at your conferences. And um, for people not familiar with that, can you tell us what the recent research is with grounding, actually literally putting your feet on the earth? I've been doing this ever since I learned about it, and it's incredible. So what do people need to know about getting reconnected with the earth? Okay, well, from a strictly scientific perspective, the Earth is actually a free energy device. It's actually emitting electrons all the time. In fact, every single thing that's on this Earth, if it's conductive, like you, a tree, a blade of grass, every single, the oceans, the, any lake, creek, stream, anything on this Earth that's conductive will actually be shielded or, or engulfed in the negatively charged electricity of the, that dominates the electromagnetic field of the Earth. And so, for example, let's say I'm in a shoe then suddenly I take my shoes off and I walk barefoot into the grass, instantaneously at the speed of light, I am surrounded. As soon as I touch that, my foot onto that bare grass, I'm surrounded by an electron shield that, that is from the Earth. The Earth is so massive that as soon as I touch it, I become part of it instantly, electromagnetically. I become shielded by its negatively charged electricity. Basically, the, the atmosphere is positively charged, and the, this Earth is negatively charged for the most part. And what goes on is that as you get on the Earth, you increase the negatively charged electricity that's available to you, which is increasing your energy. It also increases your immune system. It improves the intelligence of your immune system. It's anti-autoimmune. So it, it can actually modulate your immunity. And by the way, there's been very strong evidence that the explosion of autoimmune conditions that we're having is related to shoe wearing and our disconnection from the Earth. Electromagnetically, meaning that the rubber-soled shoe, the wooden floor, the rug, whatever it is, it doesn't allow us to actually touch the Earth bare. The longer that we're an independent island floating around that never touches the Earth, the more likely we're going to develop autoimmune conditions. And that's the way most people live if they're not aware of this. You know, wearing the rubber shoes, being in the office building. A lot of people don't live in a climate where they can get out in nature most of the year. So this sounds like it's really the basis of a lot of health issues. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's part of an overall health strategy is you've got to actually get your, your energy from the earth. Now, for me personally, like I've done so much research on this with voltmeters, you know, EMF detection devices that I know exactly how big the EMF problem is and I know what the best protection is. The best protection is the earth itself. So if you were like, for example, on my computer, when I sit on my computer, I have a mouse pad that's grounded. So when my hand touches that mouse pad, there's an electromagnetic electron push that pushes the EMF, the computer, away from me. Now, if, I do, if I'm on the computer without that pad, I can feel it. I'm getting fried. I mean, it's like no wonder people are getting carpal tunnel syndrome. Right. It's obvious. They're getting fried by the computer. That's what causes carpal tunnel syndrome. That's the primary cause. And, and it causes Renaud syndrome, where it's, if you're not grounded, you're, you're, your whole chi, your, the way you move energy around your body, you're... you're uh, the way you move heat around your body, your circulation is disturbed, and it, it's normalized by opening up your meridians, and that, the best way to do that is to get on the earth, into the earth, into a body of water on the earth, like swim in the ocean, something like that. So if people want to go out and start grounding, as I understand it, it takes about 30 minutes a day, right, with your feet directly on the earth to really recharge your system and build your immune system is it better to be on grass on dirt and what about being on the concrete 
great question. The best surfaces are wet surfaces. They're the most conductive. Concrete is conductive. Asphalt is not. Asphalt is actually um, like a rubber material, so it actually will get, will insulate. Grass is great. Dirt is fine, but the wetter the either the weather, wetter the surface of your skin or the wetter the ground is, the more conduction occurs and the faster it occurs. Wow! So I walked on uh, ground that was wet today because it had been raining. So that's the best. That's the best. Hmm. Now, for people who can't go outside because they're in the middle of winter somewhere, what can they do to ground themselves, or should they make it a point to to do this a little bit every day? Well, that's where that's where Clint Ober. He's the guy who really spearheaded all this. He's, he's a friend of mine. He's written a book on the subject, 12 university studies on the subject. That's where he came along and he realized, wait a second, of course it's best to be barefoot. Of course it's best to be swimming in the ocean. You know, of course it's best to be laying on the sand. But that's not reasonable for somebody living in, you know, Calgary in the middle of winter. So what do you do? Well, he designed systems that bring the electromagnetic field to you, like the grounded mouse pad, like the grounded universal mat, which I usually have underneath my feet when I'm at my computer, like my grounded bed that I'm, that I'm sleeping on. Um, so that's, in the, that's connected to the ground wire of my house, and then that allows that electromagnetic current to come up the wire and push the field into me. And so I become part of the earth um, through the electrically conductive grounding house systems that Clint Ober has come up with. And those are called earthing systems. Earthing is the name of that type of technology. Right. So it sounds like with grounding and with the herbs and the mushrooms, with so many things you're talking about, it's like we're coming full circle or we need to come full circle back to what's natural, back to the connection to the earth, back to the natural foods. This is what what we all need to go back to. It's like we got away from it uh, in the 50s when pasteurized foods, uh, I mean, commercialized foods were put on the shelves. And in the past few decades, mainly in the United States, we've gotten so out of sync with all of these things. And basically everything you teach is about getting back to the natural state of health. Right. And when, what, what our pain has taught us is it's taught us what's important and it's taught us how to take it even higher. Right. So, you know, we're now inspired to a whole nother level. Like, okay, in the, in the past, there was a certain level we could go with health food. But now, because we've been able to cross-reference all of Taoism, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, European folk herbalism, Amazonian shamanism, Native American herbalism, Western medicine systems, raw food diet systems, all these different kinds of diet systems, we, and mix that all together and then kind of distill stuff out of that, now we're in a completely different zone here. Now we can actually develop diets that are longevity diets. We can develop anti-stress diets. We can develop um, weight loss diets that really work. We can develop weight gain diets that really work. We can develop um, diets for people who have digestive impairment with more tools now than we ever had before. So it's allowed us, the pain has allowed us to get even to a higher place. And I want to let people know that you have a ton of information included in your special offer package that is so Huge for such a discounted price, um, more than a $500 discount for Wisdom Show listeners where they can learn more about all of what you're talking about and also uh, 
Well, people can go to thewisdomshow.com forward slash special dash offers to see the package. Click on the special offer button next to David Wolf's picture. Before we get into everything included, David, you're also going to give people a chance to buy one ticket to your Women's Wellness Conference February 15th, and they can receive a second. So that's an incredible offer. What will you be teaching and who will be speaking at that? Oh, great. We're going to have um, Donna Gates is going to be there. She's one of my favorites. She's a probiotic specialist, and she focuses mostly on digestive wellness and fighting candida and, and what to do about you know chronic um, chronic digestive unwellness and also chronic um, infections. And we're going to have Ron Teagarden there. He's probably, in my opinion, the leading Taoist tonic herbalist in the Western world. And that's the origin of Chinese medicine. He's going to get into it really deep, especially as it concerns women's health. Um, Truth Calkins will be there. He's the guy I mentioned who was the guy who cornered me in the health food store and, and sold me on reishi mushroom. Um, there's going to be, um, I'm going to be there myself doing a whole presentation. Um, there, there's just going to be a lot of surprises. I think we're going to give thousands of dollars of products away too, which is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're just going to, we're going to roll into a beautiful weekend with about 750 of us. So it's going to be a nice, nice group there. Wow. And as I mentioned, you can buy one ticket and get a second one free if you um, get the special offer package David is offering today. So in addition to that incredible offer and incentive to go to the conference in Costa Mesa next month, there's also um, so much information. As a matter of fact, you, you offer a lot of webcasts from your previous Longevity Now conferences. So can you tell us in this package what people will receive and what they'll learn about? This is an incredible value. Actually, this is the most val. This is the most value. If you get this package, which is one hundred and twenty-seven dollars, it'll be the most value you've ever gotten for your money ever. That's my promise. <laughs> I think so. By looking at it, I mean it's just incredible. It's huge. I've never seen you know anything an offer include this much. I mean, you have DVDs, you have uh, webcast replays, you have. Um, um, so webcasts and DVDs of previous Longevity Now conferences covering all of these topics that we've talked about and more. And these Longevity Now conference DVDs, um, there are like, there are so many of them. There's a 14 DVD set from your April conference in uh, 2011 and then a 14 DVD set from your September conference. In addition right. to your Women's Guide to Health and recipes too. That's incredible too. So let, let's just go down it. What you, if, with the package, you'll immediately get the Longevity Now Conference webcast replay, which is May 2012. That entire whole download, that's, that's I think it's six hours of material right there. Then you're going to get in the mail two, two 14 DVD sets. That means 28 DVDs, 28. <laughs> each one of those is two hours, and each one of those is like a full movie. So that's like, think about it. That's like 28 movies for $127, just that right there. And it's on pertinent material, like health material. And it's not boring. It's, it's exciting, interesting, innovative stuff. In fact, people watch these with their, you know, with their parents, like little kids. And then they think they meet me and they think I'm like a TV star. Because I'm in these <laughs> things that are on these TVs that they're watching, right? The parents are watching. It's hilarious. Um, then we've got the Women's Guide to Vibrant Health. Um, DVD. So it's another DVD. So that's 29 DVDs. Then the Longevity Now Recipes DVD, that's 30 DVDs right there. Wow. 30 DVDs. Then, we're, then we've got a booklet called The Healing Power of Vitamin D. We've got another booklet called The Antioxidant Revolution. 
and that's that's basically you know an, a, a work on inflammation, how to deal with inflammation. Then um, I've got a whole thing on mushrooms, which is called the most powerful medicine nature. That's a booklet that you'll get. So that's that's the deal right there. Which I have is a pretty never. Darn <laughs> I have like, never heard of a, a special offer at this price with 29 DVDs, let alone an offer of a free ticket, let alone all the other books and webcasts. It's absolutely astounding. So anyone who wants to really get an education on health, longevity, superfoods, this is what you need to get. And I really have to thank you, David, for offering this to our listeners because that is so incredibly generous. You obviously just want to get this out to as many people as you can. This is our opportunity. It's like now is the time. This is our opportunity. We never know how political climates will change or, you know, what's going to happen in the future. So my feeling is let's get all the information out to everybody now. And then the more of us that are educated, the more power we have politically to keep these choices available for future generations and, and for the rest of our lives. Right. That That is an incredible offer. So thank you. And anyone, again, if you want to see it and look into it, it's thewisdomshow.com forward slash special dash offers. David Wolf, thank you so much for sharing all of your incredible wisdom. You're such an inspiration with your vitality and your passion, and you're really an example of what's possible for all of us. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for your words. And thanks to everyone joining us today. Live wisely, stay inspired, and we look forward to sharing more possibilities with you next time on The Wisdom Show. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit us at thewisdomshow.com for access to archives of previous shows and special discount packages offered by our world-renowned experts. Thanks to internetaudiohub.com for our state-of-the-art broadcast sound. Internetaudiohub.com is available for all of your internet audio needs. We look forward to joining you next time on The Wisdom Show.